you through your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning, church. Uh, wherever you are listening from, we are going to be in Exodus chapter 3 this morning. I want to welcome you. If you uh, by chance happen to be uh, new here and you're listening for the first time, whether it's on YouTube Live or Facebook Live, uh, and you're new and you want to get connected with us, one of the things that we do uh, to connect with you is our newsletter that we launch every single week. You can sign up for that at the bottom of our webpage at sbctrucky.com. And like I said, my name is Jesse, and for the most part, I get the opportunity uh, to uh, teach the Word here. And over the last uh, however long uh, that it's been, um, I've, I uh, have been preaching to this digital camera, and so um, it, this is new for me. It, it's new for us. We're learning. We're trying to figure out uh, how all of this works, and so want to encourage you to, um, to just be patient with us as we try to figure out how we connect with one another and, uh, and how we, um, we just connect via the camera. So a couple things I want to make you aware of. Are we working on some technical difficulties right now? Is it paused? Okay. YouTube is out, I'm told. <laughs> Just say, be patient, we're working on it. Pastor Jesse's on hold. That's one thing that's nice with uh, the live feed is if we know. Is it lost on the computer back there too? Caleb said we're back. This is what it was like back in the uh, 1930s or whatever. So we back up? We're good? So I can keep going? <laughs> All right. Thank you guys for being patient with us. Uh, like I was just mentioning, the whole camera thing is new for us. It's new for me. It's new for our church. Uh, this is something that uh, we really weren't built for. We were built for you uh, to be here and to connect with us that we would love on you and we do miss you. So thank you for being patient uh, as we work out the sound stuff that we've been dealing with. We've been working with the live stream. Many of you are online now. And last week as praise, we actually uh, probably had well over 2,000 people check in uh, and we know many of you are in now. I keep getting all of these messages from you here on my phone, which is great. I think you're, you're, you're letting me know we're back, which is great. Uh, <laughs> which is a praise. Thank you for sending these to me while I'm preaching uh, so we know what's happening. And everyone's working really, really hard here uh, to make sure that we connect with you. So as I was saying, if you are new, thank you for stopping in. Uh, we actually uh, want to connect with you via our newsletter, which you can do online. Uh, and then many of you have been asking, okay, well, how do I continue to support our church? Obviously, I want you to continue to pray. Uh, in addition to that, if you normally give in the box in the back, because uh, we don't pass an offering plate uh, here at Sierra Bible Church, when 
uh, you, you do that, right now we're missing out on all those funds to support our ministries and our staff and, and our, our missionaries and all of that. So we want to strongly encourage you uh, to move your giving either to mailing it in uh, or you can get it to us right away by going to sbctrucky.com. We have an opportunity for you to give there online. And we just want to say thank you for uh, supporting us generously. Several of you have contacted, mentioned that you're, you're sending some funds either for benevolence, for those who are going to be in need down the road, uh, or for other things that we need to be doing here as a ministry. We've also been taking in toilet paper uh, to hand out to those who are in need. We'll all obviously also take N95 masks for our hospital uh, if that's something that you want uh, to, to give to. Um, but we just want to thank you for your support. So couple things I also want to make you aware of. Uh, Bible study-wise, a lot of our stuff has moved via Zoom or digital. You can go to uh, Facebook to follow my wife on her study, which is on Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. Uh, and if a guy or gal might as well stop in, listen in, learn from uh, the Word of God. Same for Laura. Laura actually is starting in Exodus, which we're in now. She's starting uh, this uh, uh, Wednesday at 6, um, not 6.30 p.m. Uh, what time is Laura's study? I'm sorry, 9 o'clock, 9 to 11 on Tuesday, and she does a terrific job as well. So we're still continuing to push out content for you. In fact, uh, this week I did another video, a uh, devotional video, about a 30-minute video on fear and how we should be responding in this time. And so uh, if you want to check that out later, that is in the YouTube feed. Uh, a couple things I also want to let you know about as far as the feed goes. Uh, as we've been working this out, we've realized it is a little bit cleaner on YouTube. So the good news is if you're on Facebook, lots of people get to see it. We get more exposure. Uh, but if you want a stable, more stable live feed, uh, YouTube does tend to work a little bit better without as many hiccups. So uh, this morning, turn to Exodus chapter 3. The title of the message this morning is Burning Bush, God Speaks. So God is going to speak to us this morning. Uh, and so I want to ask you a question. And that question would be, if you could change one thing about yourself, what would you change? When you think of your identity, when you think of yourself as a person, what would you change? Uh, for me, uh, I've always kind of wanted uh, to change my height. Uh, if I could be a little bit taller, maybe then I'd be able to dunk a basketball. I I've always wondered what it would feel like uh, to be able to grab a ball, jump really, really high, and dunk that thing over somebody's face. I'll never know uh, the joy of that, but that might be one of the things that I would change about myself. In fact, uh, they say about public speaking, one of the things that you can do to make yourself a better public speaker is you can listen to yourself. You should listen to yourself speak. Uh, I have a horrible time doing that. I hate doing it. I dislike it. I don't like my voice. I don't know why any of you are checking in uh, while there are so many other great preachers and messengers out there. But I will tell you that, that uh, I am just blessed beyond belief how many of you have checked in on the live feed. So many of you sent pictures of your families watching the sermon together. And I am just blessed that, that people in our church still love Jesus in spite of this, still want to hear from God, and it is just humbling. It has been emotional for me uh, to just see how our church has responded to worshiping Jesus. In fact, uh, I've gotten messages from people watching in Incline, people in Southern California, people in Michigan, uh, even as far as Brazil, and so all of those things, I'm just tremendously blessed. But I would change the way that my voice sounds. I, I would like to sound a little bit 
uh, more manly or whatever that would be like. So uh, I want you to think about that for a moment because God is going to introduce himself in chapter 3 of Exodus. And the reason this is important is because we've seen the suffering of God's people in Exodus chapter 1 and a little bit more of the suffering of God's people in chapter 2. But we see Moses falls into sin. He actually murders somebody. He leaves and runs away to a place called Midian. And by the age of 40, which is where we're at now, he's around 40 years old in chapter 3, we've seen suffering, we've seen distance, we've seen struggle, but we haven't seen God. God hasn't spoken. God almost seems to be absent. We're to be asking the question to a degree. The author has written this in a way for us to wonder, where is Yahweh in this? Where is God? Is he forgotten? Is he distant? Is he somewhere else? And maybe you're in the same boat as the the reader is here. You're wondering, uh, in the midst of wondering if you're going to have a job at the end of this, wondering what's happening with your stocks, wondering what's going to happen with your health or your family's health, what's going to happen in our healthcare system, and you're wondering where is God in all of this. And this is where God is in chapter 3. God finally introduces himself, and he introduces himself as a burning bush, and we're going to see the identity of God who God is, and, and by way of knowing God's identity, we're going to understand our identity as well. So look with me, if you will, Exodus chapter 3, verse 1. Now this is after Moses has run away. He is now married, and, and as he's been married, he has a new job, and his new job is as, as a shepherd. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out in the midst of a bush. And he looked and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called him out of the bush. Moses, Moses, he said, here I am. Then he said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place in which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings. I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land flowing with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Prezites, the Hevites, the Jebusites, and as my pastor in San Diego say, the Outasites and the Cellulites as well. And now, behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I've also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come and I will send you to Pharaoh that you may Bring my people and the children of Israel out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, But I will be with you, and this shall be a sign for you that I have sent to you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Then Moses said to God, If I have come to the people of Israel and I say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, they ask me, "What, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said to say to, to this, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, the Lord, the God, your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. 
And then later, Moses is told to go and that he will free the people of God by the promise of God in the later verses here, and that the people will not go empty and they will plunder Egypt. So God finally introduces himself. We've two chapters in. I think we're in the third message in this series so far. And God finally shows up on Mount Horeb. It's actually what we think the same place of Mount Sinai where God will actually give the Ten Commandments to Moses. Now, I want you to understand something. Before Moses even goes, he's shepherding. And as he's shepherding, this is his new job. It's actually not a very good job. In fact, Genesis chapter 46, verse 34 says this about shepherds, that every shepherd is an abomination to the Egyptians. So I want you to understand the backdrop here. When Moses starts to speak with God, God starts to speak with Moses, and and God says to Moses, you're going to go, you're going to speak to Pharaoh. And remember now, Pharaoh, Pharaoh is considered a god in this day. He wore a snake on his head that when he, he had this headdress on, this crown on, it declared to the people, I am a God to you. So when, when Pharaoh says, kill the children, and then Pharaoh uh, takes the whole people of Egypt and includes them in the murder, murder of many, many Hebrews, he's speaking as if he is a deity. He's speaking of this as if he is God himself. And so now here comes Moses, and God says to Moses, you're going to go free these people. You're going to speak on my behalf. And Moses, of course, says, well, who am I? What is my identity? I am but a shepherd. Uh, I can't speak to Pharaoh. I can't speak to this guy. I, I can't be used. In fact, we'll see he, he actually uses the excuse of his stuttering speech to not go. I want you to understand something about God here, okay? That, that quickly, just set that to the side. Moses, his identity is in a place of a shepherd, a low person, a person of sin. And now we get into the nature of God. What about God? When God introduces himself here, he is telling us something about himself. First of all, let's think of the qualities of fire, because he appears in a bush. There's two qualities to fire. One is fire is inviting, and fire is frightening. Fire is inviting, and fire is frightening. It can warm you. It can feed you. It can light your path. uh, It can be used for many things. At the same time, fire is dangerous. If you get too close, it burns you. And this is to show us the qualities of God. He's inviting He's inviting Moses into a relationship with him. He's inviting Moses to be sent by him, but he's also frightening. He says, Moses, as you come near to me, take your sandals off. This is holy ground. In fact, Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 24, says, for the Lord your God is a consuming fire. He is a jealous God. This idea of fire shows us the purity of God, the holiness of God, the awesomeness of God. This is considered here, just so you know, what many believe to be a theophany. God appears in this fire. What that means is an appearance of God, our invisible God made, appeared. Some actually believe this is Jesus pre-incarnate speaking uh, before he has come and and been uh, walking as a human on earth. This is Jesus speaking here as God to Moses. Now, as we get this introduction to God and as he introduces himself, he says to Moses, my name and the name to which you're going to give Pharaoh and to the name in which God gives himself to you, this name is important. It's a holy name. It's Yahweh. It was a name that was not to be mentioned amongst the Hebrews. It was a, a name that the vows were taken out when you wrote it because it was so holy and so awesome and so respected. This is God saying, I am who I am. He's blowing up all categories of identity. Uh, Another way of translating this is, I be who I be. Uh, What God is ultimately saying is, is I have always been, I will always be. 
He is saying, I'm not going to be shaped by others' view of me. I am what matters in the future. I am what matters in the past. What he's ultimately saying to Moses and what he's saying to you this morning, to you listening in and you're wondering and you're questioning about Christianity, what God is saying to us this morning about the great I am, when he says I am, he's saying, I exist. That's ultimately what he's saying. I exist. I'm here. And it's taken 40 years to hear the voice of God. Now, this has to be said. It has to be mentioned. That God exists because there are so many of us who live as what I would call pragmatic atheists. What, what do I mean by that? What I mean is you can say that God exists. You, you, you can actually call yourself a Christian. You can say that you believe in Jesus. But it, pragmatically when you live your life, you don't live as if God is actually there. You don't live as if God is near. You don't live as if God actually uh, has authority and lordship over you. And I would say to us, shame on us for that. In fact, what's really, really amazing in this particular day and age, you know, we, we've mentioned at Seer Bible, we want to see revival in Truckee. We want to see revival in our communities. And God is using the scattering of the church and the suffering of the church as he used in history past to get his message out to so many of you who are watching online that God exists and that he is present. That is ultimately what he's saying. I exist. You know what else he's saying here? There was a couple other things. He's saying, I'm higher than you. I'm above you. He's introducing himself as Lord. I'm bigger than you. I'm greater than you. Another way to say this is that God is transcendent. What do I mean by that? This is a word that became a little bit more familiar to me in the last year. I was reading a book on uh, what should matter as churches grow. It's a book called Disruptive Witness by Alan Noble. It actually is a call for churches to be a little bit more liturgical, uh, a little bit more serious, a little bit more about reflection and meditation. And Alan Noble's whole argument is that God is a transcendent God. What that means is, is that God is above range of physical human experience, that God is above human experience. Uh, and that in order to understand who God is, we have to actually do more reflection and meditation. This is, and to show that God is higher than us and he's transcendent, this is the burning bush that is not burning. This is transcendent. This is beyond human understanding. This is beyond human recognition. This is outside of the norms of, of, of what we're used to. I mean, imagine if you were watching your TV right now, and all of a sudden, as the screen cut away just a moment ago, the screen caught on fire, I disappeared, and the voice of God started to speak to you. How would you respond to a burning, fiery TV right now? What would you say to that TV? What would that TV say to you? How would you respond? I would do as Moses did too. I'd probably take my sandals off. I'd hide. I'd run. But God is transcendent, and in order to understand the bigness of God, we must do, as Alan Noble argues, more reflection and more meditation. And here's the deal. We as a culture and society are mentally fatigued. The way that we do social media, the way that we look at Instagram, the way that we Netflix binge is not built for transcendence. It's not built for reflection. It's not built for meditation. And because we're so busy being busy inside of the realm of the digital, the Facebook, the, the Twitter, the Instagram, the TikTok, we're not able to sit and actually think about our sin and, and the bigness of God and the lowliness of man and how God has come down, not just as a burning bush, but as the man Jesus to lift us up and to himself, and so we never deal with the deeper things of life. In fact, Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, when Jesus tells us how to pray, he tells us to pray like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. 
He's literally encouraging us to think about his holiness, his transcendence. What would it look like in your life if you had to meditate? You want to know why being on lockdown is so hard for the American culture? Because you're forced to do some of this. You're forced to ask the question, why does God exist? Why do I exist? What is happening? How come it is happening? What about the welfare of myself? What about the welfare of my family? What about the welfare of my children? What about the welfare of our nation? You're forced to have to ask hard questions. And then, and then if you're doing this correctly, you, like Moses, will sit by the warming fire of God and you'll pray and you'll seek God's guidance and you'll seek God's wisdom so that you won't respond in a way that is sinful and less glorious for God or more filled with anxiety for yourself. See, with this burning bush not burning, he's showing us that he never runs out of fuel. His glory never dims. His beauty never fades. He's always burning bright, and he's amongst us. This is the idea of the fire being planted. This is the idea of the gospel of Jesus, that that not only is God transcendent, but he is amongst us. Now, there's two categories here, really, that God is showing Moses that Jesus has also showed us. Number one, God is a glorious king who is above. You can't understand God alone with this. If you understood that alone, if you only knew that alone, God would be a God of judgment. He would be a God of, of, of holiness, a God that we can't speak to, a God who is too far in the heavens. But then as the flame comes amongst Moses and as Jesus came amongst us, Jesus introduces himself into human history below. And if we had that alone, we would look at Jesus, if you will, as just our homeboy, just our friend. We need both these parts of God. We need to understand that he is bigger than us, that he is sovereign over the nations. He is sovereign over our leadership. He is sovereign over the virus. He is sovereign over the job that you are afraid of losing. He is sovereign over your health. He is sovereign over our hospitals. And he is also inside. He is there and he is present. That's the idea of the I am. This is the name of God. Now, here's the, here's the big takeaway with this. If you understand the name of God, if you know the name of God, there's great comfort there. Listen to what Psalm chapter 9, verse 10 says. Those who know your name put their trust in you, for you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Did you follow it? Uh, did you see that maybe in your Bible? Did you pull that up from Psalm chapter 9, verse 10? Those who know your name, what do we do? For those of us who are Christians, for those of us who believe in the saving grace of Jesus, where do we put our trust? Where do we put our hope? We have to put our hope in, in Christ, in the Lord, in the fire that stood amongst Moses. Now, that's God's identity. He is the Lord, and he is our friend. He is the one that we should understand. He is holy. We should know that he carries judgment. He, he, he will judge us one day. He will judge the world one day. Uh, but the like, at the same time, he, he, he's a friend of sinners. And so he's reconciled himself to you, regardless of your sin and regardless of your mistakes. That's who God is. But what about you? Uh, Take note in verse 11, Moses says this. He he helps us kind of understand our identity in the midst of all of this. In verse 11, he, he says, but Moses said to God, who am I? Who am I? That's a question every single one of us should answer. That's a question that all of us should ask of ourselves. Who, who am I? And, and here's what he's ultimately saying. I'm not the guy. I don't have the right identity. I don't have control over this. Now, now let, me, let me share something with you here. There, when we think of our identity, when you think of your identity, remember I asked you the question earlier, what would you change about yourself? What would you change in your particular circumstance? I know at home right now, I've got four kids. 
uh, who, who are showing a tremendous amount of energy and, and are desiring to see their friends. My, my daughter, who is just, she's a social little butterfly, man. She, she loves her friends, and, and she is missing seeing her friends face-to-face. Same uh, with my other kids as well. They want to see their friends. Right now, they just have each other, and, and they play pretty well with each other some of the time, and they play pretty, pretty rough with each other the other part of the time, and it's just chaos. Nobody's sleeping the way that they should. School isn't going down the way that we would like it to. We're learning all of the apps, as I'm sure you're at home as well. You're learning how to, how to do a live feed with your kids, with their teachers. If you're in the public school system, uh, you're, you're trying to figure out how to use the apps and the logins and all these different things. And in the chaos of our home, we decided to foster the Aslan, the bearded dragon. So we've got this bearded dragon in our house, uh, and we, we got a new kitty cat a couple months ago, and, and the kitty cat's obsessed with Aslan, the bearded dragon, and the bearded dragon's beard gets black when the cat's around because apparently that's what a, a lizard does when it's attracted to something. So the lizard's attracted to the cat. The cat doesn't know what to do with it, so I got this grand idea to take the lizard out of the cage, put it near the cat, and the lizard chases the cat. The cat runs away. It's hilarious. Our home is chaos. It's complete chaos. We're not in control. And what happens when we try to get our own identities, there's a couple different ways that we try to get our own identities. One is instead of saying, God is the great I am, one of the things that we do is we say, I am, I am. We try to grasp for control. And when we try to grasp for control and we're not in control, what is the result? Listen to me clearly now. We try to get our own identity by saying, I am that I am. I'm in control. Not God is, not that he's Lord. I'm in control. And so we do things to be in control And then we lose control like we're in now. Nobody's in control of this mess. What happens? We get anxious. We get worried. Or you get angry or you feel helpless. What can I do? And when you feel angry, when you feel helpless, when you feel filled with anxiety and worry because you're trusting I am instead of the I am, then what happens is you start making bad decisions and your joy is robbed from you and your ability to do good for other people is robbed from you. The other day I had the opportunity uh, to fill in for my wife. My wife has been delivering some meals from the school to some other kids in the community and so I had the opportunity to do that the other day and was tremendously blessed just to see the children's smiles as I handed uh, the lunch to 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 them and and the gal who I handed the lunch to she's been watching our messages online and she's very grateful for our help and our assistance and and I was just blessed that the kids smiling at me because she said this is the pastor we watch live on TV and it was as if the little kids just little guys they were like like I was famous <laughs> you know they, they thought for a moment oh my gosh there's the famous person on TV and he's at my house handing me lunch uh, and and I may be wrong maybe they just were looking at me because I looked funny but it, it felt. Uh, good to do good. It, it feels good to serve your brother and sister in this season, to not be focused on yourself, to not be the I am, to not be in control, but to just do what you can do to bless other people. My friends, if you're fearful and you're anxious and you're worrying, then, then you're, you're not able to do as much good as you could do. This is Moses' initial problem. I can't go. I can't help other people because he wanted to be in control. He wanted, he wanted to, to put his own identity. I'm just a shepherd. And maybe you're like Moses in that regard too. You've allowed your past life to keep you from blessing other people. That's really common. Well, I can't do this because I'm, I'm well, I'm, I'm a nobody. I can't preach the gospel because I'm, I'm a nobody. I, I'm just a shepherd. And my friends, this is the worst thing you do. When you think of your identity, you are not the great I am. He's the great I am. But the great I am has asked you to come alongside the fire 
that you would serve him. Another way that we try to get our own identity is we, we, we become, instead of I am that I am, we, we try to be I am what I do or I am what I own. My identity is what I, and what I have. Uh, when that happens, the case is that you're a slave to those things. They own you, not that you own them. All of those things can be taken away. If you say, I'm a doctor, or I'm a wife, or I'm a mother, or I am this, or I am that, all of those things, even me, say, I'm a pastor, all of that can be taken away. And when that's taken away, you have to recognize, again, that leads to worry and anxiety and fretting because you've placed yourself under slavery, which is where the Hebrews are at this moment. You become a slave to those things. Or you'll say, not only am I the I am, I'm in control. Not only will you say that I am what I own or what I do, you might say, well, oh, life's about me. I am worship worthy. See, God is letting Moses know I'm the one that's to be worshiped. I'm the holy one. Take your sandals off and bow down to me. But we can think, well, well life should, should go well for me. <laughs> uh, let me ask you a question in, in this regard. How many people do you have in your life that you hang out with that can give absolutely nothing back to you? How many people in your life, now, now if you're a parent, uh, you have however many kids you have in that category. Right? You, you recognize as a parent, your kids don't give a whole lot back to you, but you give a lot to them, you serve them, you love them, you feed them, you wash their clothes only for them to say, I want something different or I want something else. But outside of maybe your own children, how many people do you serve that literally can't give anything back to you? Uh, the, the, the world kind of preaches this kind of uh, self-worth, self-pleasure, self, uh, uh, self-esteem. Life becomes about you. One author says, somewhere deep in our souls, we bought into the lie that life is easy. Life is not easy, and the Bible never guaranteed you a life of ease. Never. One of the things that my oldest, Peyton, has been saying around the house when we discipline one of the children is he'll say to the younger kids, life's not easy. And it isn't. And the Bible doesn't promise that it is. The author goes on to say it like this. He says, you won't find a text that says, give your heart to Jesus and all your dreams will come true. No, 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 no. What the Bible says is give your life to Jesus and he will be enough regardless of what comes. This is what Jesus is teaching us. Life can be hard. Life has tears and it has pains and it has sickness. In fact, the Bible doesn't push away from sickness. We see lepers, we see individuals who are cast out of society, people who are in quarantine, not in community, but outside of the community. They, they're cast off, and then Jesus comes in the scene. The fire comes in the midst of this text. God introduces himself, and he says, I am that I am. It's true, you are your identity. If you think about your right identity, it's not that you're in control, it's not that you're worship worthy, it's not about what you own, it's none of those three things. Your right identity is you are just a man, you're a child, a child of God. I like what one pastor, he said, he got in trouble for saying it, but he said, listen, listen, church, listen, my friends, you're average. Just breathe. You're average. You're average to just know that God loves you. And, and he said that people kind of pushed back. What do you mean I'm just average? You're average and it's okay. He's not saying that you're not special. He's not saying that you're not made in the image of God. You are. You're made in the image of God. You're special. You're unique and you're beautiful to him. He cares about you so much so that he came from heaven to earth uh, as man to die for your sin. He values you. But at the same time, you don't have to strive to be the best of the best. You strive to be a child, to sit with God, to know that he loves you, and he loves to use the weak things of the world to confound 
the wise things of the world, the foolish of the world to confound, confound the wise. And that's my honest opinion. Sometimes I think, why, God, have you called me to be a pastor? It isn't because I'm great or I'm sinless or I am really awesome at what I do. It's because God sees me as a weak individual that grew up in a weak home and a weak community and a weak place. And God desires to show his greatness amongst weak people. If you feel weak and you feel frail and you feel anxious, know that God wants to use you in this season. He loves you, church. He loves you deeply, and he wants to use you. You are just a man. But the addition to that, that God says, you're you're not by yourself. Verse 12, he tells Moses, what's the thing he says to him? You're going to go, yeah, you're just a guy. You're just a shepherd. You're a murderer, Moses. I I get it. You you may not have a job anymore. You may have to lay it all on the line. You you may not have savings. You you may not know how you're going to make it through the next month, but you got to know something, Moses. In verse 12, I am with you. Come on, church, you look at someone in your house. I know many of you are watching together. You look at them, look to your right, look to your left, look to your kids and say, God is with you. Go ahead, come on, just take a few moments to do it. We're doing some interaction. I know, I know it's awkward. Maybe you're by yourself. Say it to yourself, run to the bathroom real quick right now. Look in a mirror, uh, turn your phone around so you can see yourselves. God is with you. He is present. He's not distant or far off. And this, this is exactly how God describes himself in Ephesians chapter 5. There's this beautiful passage that talks about marriage between a husband and a wife and intimacy. And then he says, it's a great mystery, but I speak of Christ concerning the church. God says, I'm your husband. I'm your guardian. I'm your protector. I'm married to you. I'm betrothed to you. I'm with you, and you need not to fear. John Newton said this, if the Lord be with us, we have no cause of fear. His eyes upon us, his arm over us, his ear is open to our prayer, his grace sufficient, and his promises unchangeable. Did you hear that, church? Let, let, me, let me read it again. If the Lord be with us, we have no cause of fear. His eye is upon us, his arm over us, his ear open to our prayer, his grace sufficient, his promises unchangeable. Man, church, God is with us in the midst of our hurt. He's in your home. And, 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 and remember what I just said here. I know Moses, he was a murderer. I know Moses was a shepherd, yet God wants to use him. I know that you're struggling, mom, trying to figure out how to educate your children this time if you are now homeschooling and that's new to you. I know that you're trying to figure out how to keep your kids sane while they are stuck indoors. I know you're wondering, some of you are wondering, where am I going to get my next roll of toilet paper? Some of you are wondering if you can find the milk at the store or the eggs or what it's like. I was in Safeway the other day and it is eerie. It just feels kind of weird and heavy and, and, and my heart was just like, oh man, our community and our people, you know what they need? They need the hope of Jesus. They need to smile at their neighbor. They need to be able to embrace one another again and share that, that God is good, that life is good and it's worth living even though we're imperfect. God is with you. I hope you hear that, and I hope you know it. I hope I know it. I hope right now as my wife is at home and she is listening into the sermon with my kids, wife, I hope that you know I love you and I care for you, and God is with us in the midst of what we're working through. He's with your church, and we are, we are working hard and praying hard and doing everything we can to still connect with you and love you. We're doing the best that we can, and I pray that you know we deeply miss all of you so much. 
And then lastly, in verse 14, and it actually is mentioned multiple times in the text, he says, I'm going to send you. You are sent. I'm going to send you. You are sent. I'm going to send you. You are sent. And, and here's my last point this morning in regards to your identity. If you're with me this morning and you're just wondering, okay, wait a minute, Jesse, you, you, you're, you're talking and, and I feel maybe like you're looking right at me. I'm looking at a little robotic eye. <laughs> And if you're listening this morning, let me just share with you, you're not, again, just to, to summarize, you, you are not the great I am. You are not in control. Trying to be in control will lead to anxiety. You are not worship worthy. You're right identity. You are a man. You are a child of God. God is with you, and you are to serve God on the mountain. And then you're to be sent. This is ultimately what God is telling Moses, and I believe what God is telling the church right now. What he's telling us is we are to serve God. We're to labor with him, not with a heavy burden, but a light burden. We're we're to do anything that we can to serve those who are in need, and then we're to be sent. I had a guy call me this week. He said, listen, man, I I know I can write a check, but I'm not concerned about writing a check right now. I just want to serve. I want to go deliver meals. I want to go to the senior center. I want to do, just tell me what to do. I want to go do something. That's the right response, to do something, to find the need and to meet the need. You're to be sent as God has sent Moses. There's all kinds of tangible ways we can do this in our community. Connect with our senior center. Buy prepaid gift cards to the local businesses and the eateries around town. Find ways that you can help support those who are definitely going to be out of a job for a period of time. Maybe it's donating toilet paper to those who need. Maybe it's picking up school lunches for parents who are working and their kids are home alone. Maybe it's all kinds of different things. Maybe it's prayer. Maybe it's sharing the gospel. Maybe you need to call a friend that has has denied the gospel over and over again, and now they're in a place where they're finally willing to hear that God is present and that his fire is amongst us and that he's holy and that he's loving and we can warm ourselves and be comforted by the fire that never burns up. See, see God is, is never going to run out of energy for his church. And we shouldn't run out of energy for God and a worship for God. I'm so thankful to see your pictures of your family sitting around the TV, focused on and listening to the word. I'm thankful that you're tuning in. I'm thankful that you're here and supporting because then God says, he ultimately says, I'm going to war with the false God of the world that is Pharaoh and I promise you I will deliver you and you will plunder Pharaoh. We're, we're going to leave this earth one day and we'll have plundered it for all of its goods, all that is beautiful, and we will be reconciled to the imminent God who's coming back for us. My friends, I'm praying that Jesus comes back for his bride and he reconciles us to himself eternally. As we pray, here's what I want you to do this week. We've been doing these next steps. I want you to do a word study on fear in the Bible. And just ask the question, what stands out to you? So just this week, if you have time, look through the Bible. Look at every time the Bible talks about fear, and I want you just to see what it says. And the other thing is this. If you're a parent and you have kids, take time this week to go to our family devotional tab at sbctrucky.com because Joe and Abby are doing a video every single week for your kids along with a few other videos to help you connect with your kids. So we haven't stopped doing children's church. We're still doing that digitally. So again, go online, sign up for the newsletter uh, to get that information. In addition to that, there's those Bible studies that are available for you digitally. Uh, Caleb, uh, along with his brother Gabe with the junior high, still doing youth group on Wednesdays. Please follow online, social media. Find all the ways that we're trying to connect with you and love you and give you the comfort of God's word because we do believe this. We've said it week in and week out, and we believe it to be true here. Week in, week out, we believe it to be true here. God's word 
is sufficient to comfort us, to change us, to ease our anxieties, to bring us close to himself. It is God's word that saved us. It is God's word that will sustain us. It is God's word that will keep us. And so we're committed to still bringing you the word of God. We love you. We miss you. And lastly, I'll just say, we don't know what we're doing for Easter yet. We're going to make that decision on Monday. But we'll let you know what's happening for Easter and Good Friday. Uh, At the very least, we'll still be doing this. We'll still be touching base with you via videos and social media. But we love you. And let me pray for you. Pray for all of us. And we'll worship uh, as we close. Lord, we thank you that they, Lord, that we live in a day and age that, that, that with this happening, we have the ability to still connect with our church digitally. I know, Lord, Lord that it isn't perfect. I know that it isn't always uh, the best, Lord. I, I, and I know that, that, that we would, most of us would much rather be here. And so we would say, thank you, God, that we are, we are desiring that. But we also want to rejoice that those who maybe would never step inside of church, Lord, that they're listening in and they're wondering about, about what's happening at Sierra Bible, what's happening inside of the church, what's, what's this God thing about? What does Jesus really desire for me? And I pray that they would hear that the invitation of Jesus because that is what this fire is. It's, a, it's an invitation to Moses to come to himself. It's an invitation for the Hebrews to come to himself. It's an invitation for the Egyptians to come to you, Lord. And, and we would pray that all around the world, that whether we're Christian, that we would hear your invitation to come to you. If we are not Christians, that we would hear that invitation that we could come to you and be with you and love you. I pray, Lord, that we would draw near to you in this time, that we would use it to, to think, Lord, to, to have some time of, of reflection and meditation, that we would not be so busy with online and being on the phone and, and binging on movies, but we would take some time to think about how great and good and beautiful you are to us. Allow us to redeem the time, not to bemoan it or to complain about it, but to redeem it, to reflect upon you and to worship you, but to share our faith with a world that is wondering, where is God in all of this? And we have the God that speaks. So Lord, may we hear your voice, not just here and now, but in the week and the weeks and the months to come. Guard us, protect us, provide for us, and help our nation be better because of this trial and this tribulation, which we are to rejoice in as you share. Rejoice always. So Lord, we look to you now and we raise our hands and surrender and we say, we're not in control. That's not our identity. We're not the I am. You're the I am. Forgive me, God, where I have tried to be in control. Forgive me where I have tried to comfort myself. Forgive me where I have tried to make things right and to make things work. Forgive me for not trusting you and leaning on you, Lord. Forgive me of those sins. And in like manner, Lord, now I repent and say, help me put my trust in you. For I know your name. You're a good God. You're a great God. Help me to feel ease and comfort. Help me, Lord, to not feel anxiety and worry, but to be at peace. And we trust you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.